The Hurling Pod on OTB Sports. I know you listened to James Cahill's podcast with Will Darren Haller. They asked James who was going to win. He said Galway. Well, why do you think? Because I just really, really want him to win. <laughs> Subscribe to the GA Podcast feed on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Jenny Claffey is with us. Jenny, good morning to you. How are you? Good, very well. Thanks for having me in here this morning. It's been a very interesting Wimbledon. Um, none of the pre-tournament favourites from the women's perspective are still standing, with maybe the exception of Simone Halep, but I'm not sure if we expected her to, to perform as well as she's performing at the moment. So what the hell's going on? I oh, know it's a, an interesting event here on the women's side, especially like we all thought Sviantec was going to take it home yeah. after her amazing uh, run this, this year. And then she just didn't put that to, to form in, in Wimbledon it's kind of disappointing to see that but I think Jabour we mentioned her last week about her potential uh, and she's still on course for that um, looking at Halep I think that she could be it could be a Halep um, Jabour final that we'd be looking at on Saturday um, I'm Cornet hammered Schwantek and then got beaten herself yeah, I think Corne really took it to Shontek and Shontek was having a pretty off day um, when she, they were playing. She said herself that she was confused tactically against Corne because Corne is a very tricky player. Right. She was just chipping the balls, like making it very difficult Shontek. For Shontek, she, Shontek didn't get into a rhythm at all in that match. Um, and then Corne has been there before. She she beat Serena Williams eight years ago in the exact same centre court, right. same, same round. Yeah. Um, so she's been there before. She knows how to play in those big uh, arenas. And Shontek just didn't even from the first round Shantek didn't look very impressive she never really found her form and it really showed then against Cornet It does seem funny that um, players like Cornet who can have that big win and then immediately becomes a crowd favourite because you know you're knocking out one of the favourites and then straight out next round we see that a lot in tennis, though, you know, that, that they, they make those big wins and then from there then are not able to emulate that success. Like they have that huge media attention and then from there it's just like a drop. Yeah. Any reason for that? I think when you're not the favourite, so like if you're not one of the top players, like you haven't played at that level for that, you know, you're not playing consistency at that level. You're not, she, like say looking at Corne, she hasn't been, you know, competing at, in the deeper end of the Grand Slam. So she's not that experienced at right. that level. So then, uh, or else the, the the toll of it physically, although she absolutely hammered Shontek, so it couldn't have been that. Yeah. But she has a few injuries at the moment, uh, Corne as well. So, you know, you want to put it to that rather than her rising and falling because of nerves or etc. Is it partly to do with the fact that you then are thrust into the spotlight and all of a sudden um, the expectation becomes so great that you you carry this little bit of burden? I guess I'm, I'm trying to ask about the psychological nature of this whole thing because it does seem as if um, we're seeing players win sets, for example, against uh, you know, uh, against Djokovic the other night, the Dutch guy who I hadn't heard of before. Yeah. Um, and McEnroe's making the point in commentary that oh we should like uh, beef up the money on the satellite tour if players can come and play like this and then he collapsed the next two sets just after he'd won a set it's like so quick to turn around from Cornet absolutely hammering Schwantek and then beating the next day and incapable of replicating it and even within matches we're seeing players incapable of replicating how well they are because all of a sudden there's like a a psychological shift in what they're expected to do from the crowd and what they're expecting themselves to be capable of 
Yeah, well, I definitely think that has a part to play in it. Of course, like the psycholo- psychology, like th- that Dutch player against Djokovic, it was like he, his, his in that moment would be thinking, "Oh my God, I could actually do something here. I may be able to Knock take this it, guy to, out. Yeah, yeah, take it to Djokovic." And then just like that, Djokovic though has that experience, and that next gear he can go into to then you know put him back in his place very quickly. The same with Cornet, you know, the the psychological effect of she's beaten the number one seed. This could be her chance and then she comes up against another opposition who's that bit better maybe you know you want to look at it like that as opposed to it being the the psychological collapse but there is an element of that completely in that that they're not in the moment then able to turn it around and and emulate the the play they have been doing let's say like the Dutch guy in the moment to be able to continue to play and push on but yeah I'd I'd rather that they're being beaten by better players than you know suffering in the moment Um, Angebert is the number three seed is that right? Yes. And she's the highest seed left, obviously. And after that, the only person who's won this before... Or has Halep won it before? Yeah, Halep won, won it okay. twice, yeah. So she's the only one who's won it? Yeah, so she's the only last Grand Slam winner left in the women's side of the draw. And Which, you know, normally you'd be like, okay, shoe in for her. But actually, the way things have been going, it's like, well, she's got no chance now. No, you just don't know what's going to happen on the women's side. In one way, it makes it exciting. And in another way, it's a bit, we're still looking for that star in the women's game, you know. But looking at it now, the last eight, eight players we have, like you have Jabour, obviously, she's a standout on the bottom half. And then we have Halep on the top half. So... I think, you know, we can't look past Jabur or Halep, but then there are those other players there, like um, those two German ladies who are playing today. You know, we've relatively unheard. Both of them are ranked around the top, the 100 mark. Like, you never would have seen that coming looking into Wimbledon at all. If you said at the start of the two weeks, would you see Schiantek out? You wouldn't have thought that either. So there's been a lot of upsets, which can be exciting now, but I do think the final two we're going to be looking at is Halep and uh, Jabur. Right. Owen. You going to be cheering Jabir on? Mm, I might, I might have to because you know, let bygones be bygones, and think that could have been me. So maybe we will, <laughs> I will be supporting her. It'd be great to see um, a player I played, I played against, and beat winning Wimbledon. Although quite bittersweet, to be honest. Uh, like, what's this whole experience been like for you? Because when we were chatting last week, um, I guess I mean we, we weren't quite sure how far she would go into the tournament. But I mean, we're at the business end now, and she's still alive. Is is this something that's bringing you joy or, or not? Yeah, in one way, yeah, it is. It's nice to see that, you know, because it's it's always nice to see. She's playing a girl today as well, Bushkova, um, who I also played against. Uh, so it's cool to see two girls I've played against on tour only a couple of years ago in the quarterfinals of Wimbledon. But yeah, I would be out there supporting Jabour just because I can claim my claim to fame that I beat her love and love <laughs> what's Bujkova like she's a different kind of player she's a very steady kind of um, defensive almost type player uh, she had an amazing win there in the fourth round only making four unforced errors so that's really showing the strength in her defensive game and how solid she can be she has a pretty good backhand um, and that's probably her strength and her ground strokes and then her serve is fairly solid too but when I played against her there a few years ago I remember thinking this girl is good I remember seeing her practicing and watching some of her matches um, and thinking she's going to be in the top 50 and and she, lo and behold, she is there now. Um, I had a pretty tough game against her. I didn't come out the, the victor in that one. But uh, I do remember playing her and thinking she's going to be a star of the future. And she's still only quite young now. So there's time for her. And she's making an impressive run here in Wimbledon. And she's had a very good grass court season as well.
What is it specifically about her that you saw that day that suggested that she was something different? Is it is it is it a skill set? Is it a mentality, or or what is it? Yeah, I think the mentality and the attitude. Like she just had this very intense persona about her. Like she did went about her business very professionally, different to the other girls that you see. Um, she just had this intensity about her. That's the one word that comes to my mind when I thought back about what was so good about her. It wasn't necessarily you know her game that stood out in the match, or that she didn't you know her forehand or her back and wasn't what separated her. It was really the intensity and the attitude she brought to every practice and every match. How do you see that? Is is it like about spending time on tour? Is it like playing her a couple of times, or, or, or how do you get to appreciate just uh, that, that that level of character that you're talking about there? You can see it, like you can see it in the in the dressing room. You can see it in the way they. Uh, warm up you can see it in the way they carry themselves like she was just very very much like a professional she kept to herself a lot she was travelling with her dad at the time and I think he was her coach and she was just they, they stuck together the whole time they they were really just went there about the business and wanted to win and, and that's what she was doing she was annihilating opposition at, at that time when we were playing is there any tennis player at the moment who, who isn't like that? Is, is one of the questions I would have. Like, it does seem like it's almost like a, a prerequisite that there is that sort of um, like ridiculous level of dedication and determination that that's that's required really for for you to try and get to a quarter final at a at a Grand Slam. Well, I think you know you have to have that individual mindset. Being in an individual sport, it is all about what you do and those those small details every little detail matters you know um, every day the, those incremental gains you're looking for that 1% every day like you're so driven in an individual sport but then look at Kyrgios you know in the men's game he doesn't come across as the most professional and in the way that he carries himself And but you know I think that most every most athlete in tennis is going to be like that driven and motivated does that work for Kyrgios, do you think? Or do you think that actually holds him back and stops him from achieving what his talent could possibly achieve? I think there's two sides to that. I think it serves him in one way, the way that he carries on. But then, you know, also I, I don't think that, you know, he hasn't got the success that he ha- has potential to succeed, to, to sorry, to, to get in his career. He hasn't got past quarter final in a Grand Slam. And we've been talking about him for like seven or eight years now and he just hasn't quite... Um, succeeded in in those big moments but I think this this could be a different year for Kyrgios you know but his attitude and behaviour I mean the game needs someone like him as well like it can't all be the prim and proper Roger Federer's you know it's nice to have a bit of a difference in the game Coming back Go on I'm sorry, I was going to say that I, I, I love that. Like, I mean, were, were, were you kind of like tut-tutting at uh, Tsitsipas versus Kyrgios on Saturday or were you like, give me more of this? Yeah, that was box office stuff, that match between Tsitsipas and Kyrgios. But also a little bit childish from the both of them. Um, you know, but as I said, it, that serves Kyrgios, that kind of on-court circus behaviour that he goes on with. And he gets under the skin of his oppositions and and, and Tsitsipas has got, is guilty of that. He's got to put his hands up and say he let Kyrgios get under his skin and bother him and and ultimately, Kyrgios beat him. I'd love to see some stats, uh, some proper analysis on the underarm serves and how successful they are. Because it was somebody else was doing five or six of them in another match. And uh, in the short clip that I saw on Twitter, which I, let's face it is not exactly uh, you know chapter and verse and the equivalent of XG. But like, it seems to piss people off so much that they inevitably end up losing the point. 
Yeah, I actually thought the underarm serve wasn't wasn't allowed, and then you see them doing it obviously in, in Wimbledon. And um, that is a tactic to, just to throw your opponent solely to throw your opponent. I thought you had to have an injury to serve underarm, but obviously not. And Kyrgios is using that to his advantage. Um, it can be deemed fairly unsportsmanlike, though. Oh, to totally. Be well, that's, like yeah, that. but like it turns out, unsportsmanlike is this kind of unwritten code, and so therefore not unless they're, they're going to give you a violation. At which point, it's going to be a massive row because, like you know. You're, you've decided that this thing which is within the rules is you know so um, I think Kyrgios makes his own rules though to be honest seems to be yeah um, I was definitely on the side that like Sissi Pass hit the ball into the crowd should have been disqualified it felt to me like Kyrgios you know I'm, I've not been his biggest fan here Colum is his biggiggest fan here and has been defending him his entire time uh, he got a point he had a point right yeah he got a point penalty no sorry he had a point in, oh. in, in the argument like this guy just hit the ball into the crowd if I had done that a bomb would have gone off here and you would have thrown me out. Yeah, but that, that's actually true because Kyrgios, you can see over the course of his career, he has, has been subjected to many fines and obviously that's been warranted because of his behaviour. But yeah, in that situation, I think they had a point. But that it, that in the rules of tennis, that is such a grey area. Yeah. You know, it's not black and white. So I think, yeah, if Kyrgios was the one to hit the ball out, it actually hit of the wall and came back and hit a spectator I thought it did as well Colin was insisting that it hadn't hit anybody in the back but I, I'm pretty sure that like your man ducks but then I'm like where did the ball go we don't see the ricochet on camera we don't see the ricochet on camera pretty it sure it hit someone the right the ball doesn't head. disappear E equals MC squared buddy anyway <laughs> can we go back to Angebert because I wasn't here last week and um, and so you what age were you when you beat Angebert it was uh, I was 20 so that was a few years ago yeah I was playing um, we were playing Fed Cup so she was playing for Tunisia and I was obviously playing for Ireland in, right. in Egypt and um, it was uh, one all thing in the tie there's three matches and it came down to that match and, and we won Ireland won um, we didn't qualify but they had actually already won they'd qualified at that stage um, but she at that, as well she was one of those players that people were talking about she was very talented you could see the way she plays now is exactly how she was playing then with um, very good like touch and she's got a lot of variety in her game and she was even at that age she was only maybe 18 at that time um, she had a lot of a lot of those skills there and, and she's gone on and obviously shown that she's She's capable of the potential that they, they said she had. She's had a great career and, and is still kind of kind of peaking at this stage too. So what what has allowed her to go from that level to this level, do you think? Is that, was that where she was destined for anyway? Yeah, I think that's say yes, she was on a, a course to be a professional tennis player. She's obviously very young at 18 um, and from there she's progressed and obviously said she's only now really reaching the potential she's capable of and I think she's got a good few years ahead of her at the top of the game she's now the number three in the world um, and she's got a great game to suit all surfaces um, great mentality and a good ath- athlete yeah I think that she's made for made for more two other of the women that we should be talking about um, uh, is Amanda Anisimova yeah so she beat Harmony Tan Harmony Tan had knocked out Serena again one of those like and Harmony Tan was going deep and it felt like ooh this is going to be one of those things where we're you know in the French Revolution and then <laughs> no sorry we've had enough now with the French thanks very much all in one day yeah like, like you were alluding to earlier the fact that she you know the players who have those big wins against Williams and then I thought she would be knocked out in the next round because you know she was also unheard of and you know her ranking is quite high and, and having beat Williams then there's this huge media uh, spotlight on her and then she's done quite well against the 4 but then Anna 
Samova is a very tough opposition. She has, um, a few years ago, she was doing really well. She's run deep in all of the Grand Slams this year. She's made it past the fourth round on Samova. She's a super solid powerful player um, as I said a few years ago she was kind of reaching her peak I thought she was only very young but then her dad suddenly passed away I think and that kind of knocked her um, I think she would have been one of the stars we've been talking about like Andrea Andrescu as well they were kind of similar the two, these two girls and um, she's getting back now on form as I said this year she's having, showing consistency in the slam so she's a threatening player as well So she's up against Simona Halep and that's maybe the greatest threat Simona Halep faces before the final? Yeah I'd say that's probably the, the best match we're going to see in the women's quarter final is Anna, Anna Samova and Halep and the two big hitters coming up against each other um, but I think Halep has that experience and will be able to edge her in that match Okay and Tatiana, Tatiana Maria uh, is the German who um, is up against Yuli Neymar and uh, Maria's best previous is in the second round so that's one of those uh, plucky underdog stories Yeah they're, they're, that's an interesting matchup between these two Germans you know kind of like the old and new um, Neymar's only 22 so she's quite young and she's only coming into her career whereas we have Maria who is a mother of two like this time last year she was only having a baby um, and she's shown her best results after she's had her two kids so she has an eight year old now and I think eight years ago she got to the fourth round or, right, okay. or so in a yeah. Grand Slam and um, I don't know maybe there's something in that um, but that'll be a match up again of, of two different styles of players but uh, old and old and new so it'll be exciting to see I think Neymar might come through on that one just with the way that she's playing and the game that she has Okay Collis who's going to win the men's? I think it might be Djokovic wouldn't it be great to see a Djokovic-Nadal final that would be very exciting although most people want to see a Djokovic-Kyrgios could that be a final out there you know uh, but I think Djokovic is just he's showing his form now he's coming into himself in Wimbledon you know he's had a bit of a rocky season so far with all of the the COVID issues, etc. Um, he's still playing pretty well, isn't he? Yeah, annoyingly so. Yeah, he's yeah. playing very well. He's really showing Djokovic of not of old. Of, he's obviously still playing the way he can play, but I think that he's going to be the man to beat in this tournament. He's having these little rests in matches where he's losing a set, but then like immediately comes back and is crushing people with a full, the full range of everything that he can do, like little drop shots, little drop volleys, like absolutely whacking serves. He's he's. Uh, he's been motivated it looks like by what Nadal has done yeah well he's had he, he's a player with a huge repertoire you know he can do pretty much anything from any, anywhere he's an amazing defender on the court but then on a grass court he's able to really step up and play with power and he's hitting the ball so powerfully um, I was listening to some of the commentators there saying that you know when you actually see him on live the sheer speed of the ball that he's hitting he's just penetrating through the court and keeping the opponent pushed back and then like that then he's able to come come up to the net and use his volleys and that these amazing amazing drop shots he's just such an all round player it's going to be hard to see anyone beating him this, this Wimbledon One last question for you we saw Alcaraz and Sinner and it feels like that's the version of the future that hopefully in a couple of years time we'll be looking back on oh remember that was the start of their rivalry on this court and on a bunch of other courts um, am, I, am I grasping a little bit too much are they not quite at the level yet where they could be dominant forces in the next couple of years No I think you're right I think that they will be the names that we'll be talking about in years to come especially Alcaraz I mean we've been talking about Sinner for a few years now and you know last year he won a Masters title or he was run up in in the Masters title and uh, sorry Masters final and he's been a player we've been talking about Sinner he's got an amazingly powerful game but then he just went off the boil there a little bit but Alcaraz is the man I think of the future definitely he's the next 
Spaniard and Nadal I'm going to say, I'm going to say there um, he's got a, a super game he just didn't take it on the grass court take it to the grass courts at all his movement wasn't very good uh, he was serving very well but movement wasn't very good um, I didn't think and I thought I was surprised that Sinner actually beat him but maybe a little bit of experience on grass beat uh, had him beating Alcaraz but these guys will be the stars of the future definitely I think it sets it up nicely for the rest of the year as well Jenny good stuff thanks a for joining us cheers yeah, thank you OTB AM with Gillette get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar